Bonjour. I'm Quebec singer Ian Sebastian, and you're listening to Mondo PQ. Bonjour et bienvenue à Mondo PQ, l'envers du rétro québécois. Mon nom est Sébastien Desrosiers et aujourd'hui j'ai le privilège vraiment de vous présenter la première partie de mon entrevue avec le chanteur québécois Ian Sebastian, celui qui avait fait ses premiers pas en français sous le nom de Sébastien avant de devenir une des têtes d'affiche de la comédie musicale Hair en 1970. Bonne écoute! Yann Sebastian, merci beaucoup d'avoir accepté notre invitation. Si plusieurs chanteurs québécois et canadiens nommés Sebastian ont été recensés durant les années 60 et 70, notre invité d'aujourd'hui a eu, lui, un parcours musical aussi singulier qu'éphémère sur la scène montréalaise. Entre une timide carrière francophone et son rôle principal pour la version montréalaise de la mythique comédie musicale Hair, Yann Sebastian, de son vrai nom, publiera aussi un album pop psychédélique monstrueusement convoité par de nombreux collectionneurs internationaux. Ayant quitté la province depuis des décennies, c'est avec plaisir que nous le retrouvons aujourd'hui, ce chanteur d'origine québécoise, Sébastien. Ensemble, nous allons revisiter son catalogue original. Yann Sébastien, re-bienvenue chez vous. Welcome home. You were born in London, as I recall. Yes, I was born in uh, London, England. And, OK. Uh, my family, uh, we, my father is Canadian uh, and from Montreal, originally from Montreal. And uh, he was over uh, in World War II. He was over in uh, last stationed in England. He met my mother, uh, stayed there after the war, um, had two children in England, and then we immigrated back to Montreal. I lived on Esplanade. I, my roots are here in Montreal. I mean, I, I remember just very little of England, but uh, I always liked that I was born there, but, um, you know, my heart was here. I grew up here. I went to school, educated here, and uh, and started my musical career here. Yeah. What do you think about uh, the double identity, you know, French and English all in the same city? You know, I think it's fantastic. I, I, you know, I have the benefits now, hindsight of uh, my passage of many, many years. But uh, I think uh, biculturalism to me is 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 fantastic, and and being a part of the um, you know a bilingual musical scene. Uh, well, I think it was double the opportunity because we were I was able to. Uh, Uh, sing in French. Uh, the accent wasn't uh, tremendous, but uh, it was uh, understandable. And uh, I made the effort, and I've always made that effort. I continue to speak French. I've um, since living in California, I've added Spanish to my languages. Mm. And uh, it was, uh, you know, um, being uh, here. Uh, I don't know. I think it was a good musical scene uh, that uh, was fostered, and um, I was uh, just happy to be a part of it. When, when you know, music, young, youthful music, really exploded on the scene. Uh, 
you know, after the Beatles and things like of that nature. And then on the same time, there were some of the great French-Canadian artists, uh, uh, the friends and people who I know, uh, Robert Charlebois, uh, you know, some of the, the then some of the rock bands, uh, people like the the Sinners and uh, some of the fr- other French groups. Uh, I was involved with uh, my f- earliest management with um, Mr. Ben Kay, hmm. who was uh, manager of Les, Les Classelles. Of course. So... Uh, I had that influence and that mix. Uh, we were we we had no problems together. We all worked uh, ensemble, and uh, it was a great time. One of the best times of my life. Uh, out promoting, out being out uh, partout in Quebec, going out everywhere to all the the small small and large radio stations <laughs> and promoting uh, records and uh, and all the the TV shows and and uh, you know in truth the Quebec French market was very was quite large and uh, and was I think much more sophisticated uh, than the English market was at that time hmm. uh, we you know everything everything else for the most part was imported from you know it was all the the big radio stations in in, in the Northeast that were with uh, you know hundred thousand watts and they were just bro- broadcasting you know all their the American songs into Quebec so it was uh, being the French market, though, had, you know, there were more radio stations and there was there really was, in a sense, a, a bigger market. Mm-hmm. And um, the powers that be, you know, who were guiding my career in, in its earliest stages felt that uh, being, uh, you know, that uh, they could launch my career, you know, e- more easily in French. In French. So you started your career very early. Well, I started playing. Uh, I started uh, begging for my first guitar when I was about <laughs> nine or ten years old, and uh, so I started to, uh, you know, play guitar at ten. And by thirteen, I was in my first band. What's, what was the name of the band? Oh, uh, I, could, I don't even think I could remember the first ones. But the, the first one of note was a little group uh, out of uh, Saint Laurent. We were uh, we. I grew up in Ville Saint Laurent. It was a group called West End 22. Of course, there weren't. The, the joke was there was like 22 the members, which of course there wasn't. It was only like four or five, but we thought it was funny, <laughs> so we called ourselves West End 22. Just because you went and left me flat, well, don't think I'll come running back to you.
joke's on you. The joke's on you. We played uh, partout, Quebec, and uh, all the way through to into uh, New York State, Plattsburgh, you know, Burlington, uh, you know, uh, all all along the, the that area. So we. You were 15, 16? Yeah, 15, 16, okay. yeah, sure. Oh. And uh, were you part of any other groups before launching into a solo career? Or uh, yeah, I, well, I, you know, it, it's it's kind of hard for me, and everything's sort of a little bit uh, fuzzy because <laughs> of the time. So you'll have to forgive me on the dates. You know, I spent uh, a lot of time in in the Montreal market, and uh, I believe I probably played with the St. Mark Street band. Well, I played with St. Mark Street band for a while, and uh, we played all the pubs and the clubs in downtown Montreal for for all, well, at least a couple of years and and uh, various other groups but uh, I always wanted a I always wanted to be uh, I was a, always a lead singer uh, guitar player and I always wanted to front something so it uh, very quickly I started uh, you know bands it was either you know Sebastian or the oh uh, I was in a, a group called Sea Poop which was <laughs> which was uh, uh, just a, another one of you know in the 60s everything was very lyrical and um, funny and you know so we were just uh, you know the beginning of the psychedelic stuff and, mm -hmm. and we had the Nehru suits and you know oh. green suit I mean it, if I when I see that today I just like it's <laughs> like unbelievable but uh, it was a style at the time and the, sort of the beetle haircuts and things were like you that. already uh, the lead singer of yeah. the band okay oh yeah, oh, yeah. Okay, so you played guitar and sang. Right. Oh. I also played some bass uh, in a couple of different bands as well uh, over that time when, when they didn't have one. I played so, you know, and I was always writing. I started writing very uh, early in, in my life. I probably have cataloged over two, probably about 200 songs, hmm. uh, but uh, don't, uh, you know, I, I didn't probably only release maybe about 20, 30 songs, I guess, over over my career. So I never didn't. And I've still got a few in the, you know, <laughs> a few ideas. And uh, every once in a while, I think, well, maybe I could go to, and put down some tracks and uh, Maybe I, maybe this will uh, you know inspire me to yeah. uh, to get back in the studio again. Who knows? Time is maybe right. No, so <laughs> so how did you launch your solo career? Because you you were recruited by Apex. Yes. How did that happen? Well, I was I had been out and performing, and uh, I was uh, spotted, you know, by a producer. We were playing some some clubs, and uh, this gentleman came up to me, and he said, uh, actually, he was. Um, a singer himself, a lead singer uh, with another group uh, called The Scepters. Of course. You heard of The Scepters? Oh, yeah. Well, they were big in yeah, Montreal. And they were, and he had a great voice, and I really liked it. So we hit it off together, and we sort of became friends. And then he said, listen, I'm, I've got the opportunity to produce. Uh, I've got a record company back going to back me and uh, looking for talent, and you're it. Hey. <laughs> I said, okay. So, <laughs> so we started to work together and uh, he said, there's only one thing you're just going to, you're going to have to be French for a while. I oh. said, uh, that's fine with me. I said, if as long as it's on vinyl, that's good enough for me. So, uh, <laughs> so we started off and we produced some of the early singles, singles that you, uh, that you have and, uh, in your possession. And yes, uh, yes. Your first 45 was, uh, issued in French, uh, under a, a quite bizarre name. You weren't called Sebastian. You were called Sebastien with an A, not Sebastien. Sebastien. I don't know if it was a typo, <laughs> a typographical error. It sounds like uh, one. It sounds like it to me too. But uh, 
there may have been some, maybe they looked into, uh, maybe it was a conflict with somebody else or something of that nature. And they wanted, uh, we wanted to, the idea was to be, you know, have one, like one name, mm-hmm. you know, like uh, Adamo or, uh, you know, so one name that would really identify me. And uh, I guess by spelling it a little bit differently, maybe it was to, you know, so made, so that there wasn't confusion. You know, so I started doing some shows and I started to, I opened for um, groups like uh, Gary Puckett and the Union Gap. Oh. They, you know, they had a song like Lady Willpower and all these, yeah. and Woman. And they had some very, very big hits in the States. Of course. And, uh, and here, too. Yes. We had, there were some very good times. It was, a, it was a, gr- a tremendous time to be in rock and roll. Do you recall your first 45? J'ai peur. Ah, j'ai peur. A cover of Dizzy by Tommy Rowe and the Chandelles. Well, when they brought me the song, they said, they, the idea was, well, we had no idea it was going to be a monster hit. <laughs> that, that was, and that, malheureusement, pour nous, it was uh, such a big hit that it had the great crossover appeal between, in, uh, so the English-French market, it didn't matter. The normal process was that a hit would come out of uh, the United States, it, wouldn't, it would be big, but not crazy big, mm-hmm. and it would get covered by French-Canadian artists, and, and uh, so so that was the thinking. So they brought me the song, and obviously uh, we went ahead and uh, we did a, I, what I thought was a pretty good version of it. It was, yeah. It was followed by, I think, a few other people uh, also came out and uh, did uh, either that song. And uh, it uh, got me a little bit of airplay. It got, mm-hmm. got us established a little bit. But it could have been uh, and would have been probably a bigger hit had the American version had not been so successful. There were like maybe two or three versions of Dizzy, yeah. you know, running around Which in was Quebec. making me very dizzy. <laughs> <laughs> J'ai peur Oh oui, j'ai peur 
This is your first gig in a studio working with uh, Ron Dickoff. That's the gentleman I mentioned who was the he was the lead singer for the Scepters. Mm. Yeah, so we we uh, and I had seen him play and I was very uh, you know he was a very they were a very clean cut band and re- and he was a very a very good singer in his own right mm-hmm. and so I had a lot of respect for him. So when he came to me and he recognized me and said, "Hey, I think you're you've got some t- you've got a good voice." Uh, I was uh, very happy to work with him. Have you heard the B-side? Ce n'est pas facile d'aimer. It uh, hurts to be in love. That's Great right. Great version. Uh, I, I, actually, I, th- I really like that one. It, it, um, it fit. Um, I can't remember. It's a long time. I can't remember who actually did the, uh, the translation of the lyrics. They did. I think they did a pretty good job. And, and you know, as I, as I understand French, you know, uh, you know, it was closer to the meaning of uh, the English version than j'ai peur <laughs> is to uh, is to dizzy. Mon amour, 
Your second 45 was also issued on Apex under the name Sébastien. It's called Un Petit Peu d'Amour, Little Loving Something, with your first composition, Hélène. Hélène was a, a very dear lady uh, who was very... Uh, One of my, you know, artists are always have their muses, and she was mine at the time. Uh, her, she was an English girl. Uh, her name was Elaine. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, so it was, uh, and uh, orchestrally, uh, it was one of the best songs matched for a large orchestra because of this, uh, the lush string arrangements uh, worked very well. And so we recorded it in, Eng with, uh, in English and in French. Yeah, and... It's basically the first time you met uh, your future producer, Roger Gravel. That's right. How was that meeting? He was uh, <laughs> a, a very, very nice guy. I mean, uh, I have um, I have great, great respect for him. I mean, he was a, a true musician's musician. You know, he mm -hmm. could he would sit there at the piano and, uh, you know, I was, um, you know, a little bit rough around the edges. I was a little bit more rock and roll. He was a little more sophistication. So his, the arrangements were sort of a, a blend that, that enabled me to uh, hopefully to utilize my, my talents to the best, and he, he helped to bring that out. And mm -hmm. together we, uh, we uh, I think, created some nice, a uh, couple of nice songs out of the, the album. Not every song is a winner, uh, but uh, there were a few songs I'm very proud of. And, uh, and uh, Roger and uh, Pete Tessier, the engineer, they did an, an excellent job, and I was very, very happy with the result. Hélène, souviens-toi comment mon cœur battait Près de toi et du fond de mon âme je te le dis, chère Hélène, souviens-toi de ce bonheur passé. Quand j'étais malheureux, tu étais là pour effacer les larmes au bord de mes yeux. Chère Hélène, j'ai souvent prononcé ton nom, je voudrais t'avoir près de moi. Long ago, never leave me the same. Elaine, a thousand times that I call your name, many thoughts etched upon my brain. That was you.
critics at the time weren't so kind about this uh, 45. They said, uh, what a weird name, what a weird diction. Is it to be sexy or with it? They didn't have any idea who you were or who, who you were trying to emule. So I guess this 45 was kind of a flop for you or did it work? Well, probably I, it didn't. It didn't. Uh, it didn't do particularly well on the charts. Um, I tried my best as as far as uh, you know, singing and, and my accent. Uh, uh, it wasn't uh, our goal to or my goal to try to fool anybody and say mm-hmm. think that I was a you know uh, a francophone. But uh, so you were so still presented as an English Quebecois who sings in French. Exactly. Okay. And you did uh, some radio and TV shows at the we time? We did, yeah, I did a, a lot over the the next few years and subsequent singles. We were out on the road uh, quite a bit and uh, it was really fantastic. I went out with an A&R guy from the record company. They, they really... Uh, You know, they spent some money and mm-hmm. uh, put some money behind it. And uh, obviously, some people were um, not enthusiastic about an English guy singing in French for whatever reasons. Mm-hmm. There were, you know, maybe it was partly just the times that we lived in. Uh, mm-hmm. To me, it's it was it was all water off my back, like the duck. It didn't it didn't bother me. I didn't I didn't care the criticism. I was excited. I was a young artist, and I was just happy to be recording and doing what I wanted to do. And so. It didn't matter. Really, didn't matter to me. I mean, sure, I would have liked to have sold more records, but uh, at that time. But <laughs> that came a little bit later, and uh, and my career, uh, you know, took a few steps forward. And when I started to have more of a solo career, mm-hmm. and I, the record company felt uh, that you know we had discussed it initially when I had signed with them, and, and our agreement was that uh, you know we're not going to try to keep you locked up as a French artist. Okay, uh, you know, so so. Uh, after I did whatever the round of records, they they all we all agreed to uh, so that I could record in English, and Sebastien became Sebastian. Yes, it's true. 
Let's talk about your album, ah. uh, Rays of the Sun. This is your sole LP from the time. It was recorded during the summer of 1970? Yeah, everything was, seemed to be happening for me around that time. Yeah. yeah. So you went from Apex to MCA right. to record Rays of the Sun. As I recall, you're one of the only underground artists to record an album, a full-length album on MCA at the time. Right. It was... It was a label mostly specialized in traditional songs, and you were like an outsider on MCA at the time. This was to be um, <clears throat> a launching both in Canada and in the United States. Okay. And so, and there was the, in fact, I think you, I think you made it a reference to the, the number one or something on the, on the cataloging of the, of the record. It was, the idea was to, I was to, they wanted me to launch the MCA uh, label in the States. I think that was the plan at the time. So they, they had a, an international vision for you. They that were was, planning to uh, yes. press the record here, but to launch your career internationally. Right. Oh. So the album goes between, you know, positive pop and uh, uh, loving pop songs and a few mysterious and intimate composition. It resembles uh, at the time um, the music that Dale Shannon was producing at the at the end of the 60s. Uh, what other artists were you listening when recording that album? You know, I was listening to everything at the time. I was very heavily like almost everybody. I mean, I can't I have to say that I was heavily influenced by the Beatles. Uh, I love their uh, their lyric, the structure, the way they they wrote. But All of the, uh, the the pop artists of the time. I was it was a time I was sort of moving away from the uh, the super ballads. Uh, but in this particular case, some of the songs on my album. I mean, I I, I wrote ballads and I liked I really liked them. And and so that was some of the earlier stuff. And so we recorded some of that. And then in progress on the album, I I sort of I don't want to say pushed a little bit to, to to do a little something a little bit different as well at the same time something i felt was more in keeping with the what i was was going through uh, mm -hmm. as as the psychedelic era began i was at, i was there at the right, right place at the right time Oh, my God. 
sense uh, that there was like a huge input from Roger Gravel on pop songs like Back in Love Again, Love Time and Jubilation. Was this too poppy for you at the time? In in retrospect, <laughs> but I mean when I listen to it, you know, many, many, many years later, it's uh, it's like, oh my goodness. But uh, it was contemporary to the time, but I was looking to, in my mind, I was always looking towards the future, what I thought I would be more of a, maybe a more Donovan-like, more uh, cream, mm -hmm. you know, the Hendrix and uh, Dylan and, all, and, you know, the, the, some of the greater lyricists of the, at, at that time. And, and some of the, you know, psychedelic lyrics were, were more poetic. And they, you know, when you hear some of those songs uh, like uh, White Room and, uh, or, uh, or Jefferson Airplane, Plain, uh, you know, uh, so I like the idea of sort of the cryptic mm -hmm. lyrics, you know, psych, you know, so that's so those um, passages and rays of the sun were they were homage to the sort of uh, psychedelic days. <laughs> Smiled 
white and sound Diminishing the cure of sense A soldier of galaxies Gives his riddle all in consequence It's a rare privilege at the time it when was. an artist gets to produce or orchestrate just two songs on his own album. Especially for a, for like a first album, because I had been, as you know, when, when I started French, I was doing covers. Right. And as a, as, a, as a fledgling, as a new writer myself, I was anxious and, and excited to be able to do my own songs. Mm -hmm. Passages was, again, also a very... Uh, you know, a, what I would consider a spiritual it is. kind of uh, song, and uh, and um, they meant a lot to me. So it was, uh, it w it really was uh, two worlds. I mean, uh, as I said, I wasn't it wasn't in I, it wasn't done in deference to Roger or anything okay. else. It was uh, his vision of how he saw me as an artist, and my vision of how I saw me as an artist were. A little bit different. This makes up for a great album, though. Well, let's talk about Rays of the Sun, the song. Particularly, uh, it's very poignant. Uh, it gets to you, you know. Yeah. Uh, there's a long solo uh, where the guitarist seems to be, you know, in orbit of the yeah. earth. <laughs> And your lyrics uh, seem to describe an experience, a psychedelic experience. Was this song about an LSD trip? I have to be blunt and ask you. Well, uh, it, I suppose uh, you could say that. <laughs> you know, uh, I, like I said, it was it was at a time where LSD and you know things of that nature were prevalent. Like most people of the time, I uh, you know I I experimented, mm -hmm. and uh, 
But whether it was a direct, it wasn't uh, that I, you know, I dropped acid and then uh, I sat down and started writing. It didn't sort of come to me uh, as an, in that way. But uh, you know, as 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 a songwriter, we 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 take liberties a little bit. Uh, we interpret. It re- reflected that, and it was it was by design. It was visceral. The, my performance in the studio was visceral uh, even even after after i finished it was like one take type thing oh really yeah and when the producer and then when i walked back into the studio i was like i felt like i'd been on a on a trip and uh, i walked into I remember walking into the control room and looking at the my producer and he's looking and he's like uh, wow he says it's pretty emotional <laughs> yeah it was so it was a big departure from Jubilation or Love Time or any of those <laughs> yeah. other songs on the album. So it was what I was feeling. And so the album was a, a sort of a, a compromise, a, com- a compendium, we mm-hmm. would say, of, uh, as you say, as you rightly pointed out, it was like two different styles. I really like that song and especially your performance. Do you remember who was the guitar player? No. <laughs> I'm sorry. <Too> bad. <laughs> I'm sorry. Maybe sorry. if they hear this, they'll, they'll own up to it.
in a flash a vital throb But cannot say 